A big part of the differentiator of my business, maybe compared to other LinkedIn experts and coaches, is around showing my clients how to build their presence as an expert or a thought leader so they can attract new business or new, new opportunities. This is Chan with the Plan the Podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy, actual steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, Sabita, welcome to the show. Thank you. So nice to be here. Like the main reason why I reached out to you is we were both ranked top 15 LinkedIn experts for Influence Digest in Toronto. And then I was just going through the list and I, I saw people like yourself with LinkedIn expertise. And I thought like, hey, why don't we get the top LinkedIn experts in the area and just talk shop about LinkedIn? I love it. I love that you're bringing us all together, you know, experts in one place on this podcast. And to be honest, I've been running my own business focused on LinkedIn for the last five years. It's my favorite topic. So I'm really, really happy to be here. What was your reaction when you got tagged on that uh, post about you being one of the 15? It was a surprise. It was a really nice surprise to get that. So I didn't expect it, didn't know it was coming, but great to be part of a group of, you know, elite experts in Toronto and like yourself and was really pleasantly surprised. It's a great kind of feather in our cap, I guess you could say, right? Yeah, absolutely. And my uh, audience is mainly professionals either trying to advance their career or job seekers looking for the next job. And one of the essential tools in someone's toolkit in the job search is LinkedIn, right? Like when I started my career, LinkedIn, it was still there, but I don't think it was as important as it is now. Like my personal opinion is that if you don't have your LinkedIn link on your resume, then it's a bit outdated. So mm -hmm. I think people should leverage the power of LinkedIn because it does generate great job opportunities if you're able to optimize it correctly. So the main reason why I brought you on is to give some advice in regards to how can someone optimize their LinkedIn profile, but also some proactive strategies in terms of reaching out to people to ensure that they are fully leveraging the immense power of LinkedIn. But before we dive into that, although I already mentioned that you were one of the top 15, can you please introduce yourself and explain why people should listen to your expertise on LinkedIn to better their careers? Sure. Yeah, happy to share some background. So yeah, I've been running my business called Tribeta Consulting Inc. for about five years now, coming up to my anniversary in September. And I got to say, you know, when you do what you love, you know, the time really does fly by. And this business is purely focused on LinkedIn. So I work with executives in transition, working professionals right up to the C-suite, entrepreneurs, a lot of corporate people that are really looking to move into uh, starting their own business. I kind of help them make that shift. And my business itself is really focused on in terms of services, you know, writing the profiles for them, providing one-on-one -on -one coaching and even larger corporate uh, coaching as well. So I've worked with organizations like Deloitte, I'm a prefer their preferred LinkedIn partner, B. Riley Farber is another professional services firm that I've been working with for many years. And, and the great you know, part about this business is it is industry agnostic, right? So I work with professional services companies, financial services companies, tech companies, and you name it, but it really is purely focused on LinkedIn. I'm really thrilled that I've built that niche. I've kind of become one of those LinkedIn go-to people in Toronto and built a reputation that way. You make a good point about building niche because like a job seeker, they want to apply to like all these jobs, they mass apply, right? So how do you figure out what your niche was and how did you position your brand to serve that niche? Yeah, great question. So 
I worked in corporate for many years before starting my business. And while working in corporate, my last corporate role was with KPMG. I was the head of digital marketing for KPMG in Canada. And there at that company, I was immersed in LinkedIn, really showing our accounting partners across the country how to use LinkedIn, you know, why they should spend time on the platform because it was many years ago when a lot of people weren't thinking about LinkedIn strategically and really kind of how to use it to attract new business as well. So built training programs for those leaders, kind of help them with building their profiles. And while I was at KPMG, I realized the power of LinkedIn, not just for big companies, but small companies and individuals too. So when I decided to launch my business, I thought LinkedIn is that really great niche. And that's what I've specialized in and I haven't looked back. Awesome. I think, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think I saw an article, I think it was Cisco. They were basically trying to get every employee to post content on LinkedIn to like increase uh, employee retention. I think that was the company. Right. Did you hear anything about that? I didn't see that article. Was that recently or was it a while ago? It was recently. I'll have to... Okay. Oh, yes. I see it now. I'm looking at it. Why Cisco is training 84,000 employees to be LinkedIn influencers. So, yeah, and I got to be honest, that is, you know, I talked about the fact that I work with individuals and corporate organizations as well. And one of the things I've been showing my corporate clients how to do is to how to leverage their employees as brand ambassadors on LinkedIn, because it's much more powerful. Your employees talk about your company versus, you know, the company talking about the company from the LinkedIn company page. So that's a, becoming a really big part of my business. So I'll like write LinkedIn profiles for the executive team, for their sales team, for, you know, and so on, and really provide training on how they should speak about the organization online too. And they shouldn't just talk about the company. They should also talk about what they are really excited about too. It's their own professional brand that they should be building, not just the company brand. Like think about yourself. If you're working for a company and you're just talking, you're just sharing Cisco content all the time, people will tune out. So I think it's really important that people build their brand if they're working in a company about sharing company content, but their own stuff too that they're really excited to talk about on LinkedIn. A lot of the more experienced or seasoned LinkedIn content creators, yes, they share their expertise, but they also share like personal photos, whether it's family or going on vacation, because again, it helps personalize them and it helps humanize their brand compared to just always talking about professional stuff because it's uh, a bit superficial and people can't really connect with you if all you talk about is work. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, that whole personal stories on LinkedIn, you probably get this question all the time, is it appropriate? I get clients going, why has it become so personal? Like, they're like, they're seeing stuff on LinkedIn that probably should be on Facebook or Instagram. So it's kind of changing the brand a bit. And I think there's good things happening in terms of personal content. But I feel personal content should be on LinkedIn if it has a professional context. That's my view on it. And that's how I coach my clients. Personal stories can be really powerful. But like, why would that be relevant for your professional network? You know, how would that be of value to them? What can you share that's insightful for them around that personal story? And then it feels like it fits, kind of what I'm thinking. You know? Yeah. And the other thing I want to mention is that I'm not sure if there's still a huge stigma as it is before, but LinkedIn is considered a job site. So when people start posting on LinkedIn, they might say, oh, he's looking for a job or she's looking for a job, right? Do you still think that there's that stigma there or has it become more of a content platform so it's more normalized that people post content and they're not actually looking for another job? Yeah, that's a great, good question too. I think when I started my business five years ago, a lot of companies were nervous about showing employees how to get active on LinkedIn because they were worried that they were going to use it to leave the organization, to build their brand and, and go. And I think companies have started to realize that it shifted. I think COVID did that, right? In COVID, when we couldn't go out and meet people and we were kind of just basically stuck at home, 
it's a great digital way to stay connected to your network. And I think that's really what it's come to now. So whether you're, you know, especially if you're in a hybrid role or remote role, it's a good way to stay, you know, engaged with what's going on in the company, with your leaders, with fellow employees. So I think organizations are getting better about, you know, encouraging employees to be on LinkedIn. I hope. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's always about being open to like different technologies and platforms to help like improve whatever business goals that you're trying to achieve. That's right. That's right. And for your company, Triveta Consulting, you, again, as you mentioned, specialize in helping people, like whether it's professionals individually or corporations or companies, you really try to help them leverage the LinkedIn platform. But before any of that can happen, you have to assess their LinkedIn profile, right? That's one of your services that you mentioned, yeah, your LinkedIn assessment. So mm-hmm. walk us through like how you assess people's LinkedIn profiles and what are those common mistakes that you've seen looking at people's profiles on LinkedIn that are fairly common that can be quickly fixed? Yeah, yeah. So basically what I do, so I provide an assessment. I kind of start from top to bottom, going right from the top of the page, from the top banner all the way through the whole profile. And my goal with people is to really show them how to become LinkedIn all-stars. You know, that's a rating given out by LinkedIn to profiles that have used to be seven components. Now I think it's eight, basically. But, you know, with LinkedIn, they're looking to make sure that you've got things like a headline, a photo, an about section. You need to have at least five skills. You just cite your industry and location. So there's these key things that you should have. And based on having those elements, then LinkedIn will rate you as an all-star. So, you know, for anybody watching this, you know, this podcast, you can basically go online and see if LinkedIn rate you as an intermediate or as a beginner. If you're an all-star, it doesn't tell you that anymore, even though I think it should, they change that. So if you don't see anything, that means you're probably an all-star, but if it's showing intermediate or beginner, LinkedIn's going to guide you on things you need to add to your profile, but it's those elements that I just talked about. And I like to take it beyond just the basic nuts and bolts, for example, like a headline, you should have a headline, but it shouldn't just be your job title. I think it should have something that I call a tagline as well. It really speaks to, you know, what you're passionate about. So my tagline, for example, is around helping clients, you know, attract new business and career opportunities on LinkedIn. And for anyone that's in transition, really kind of adding that sizzle or that extra piece to your headline can really, really be beneficial. So that's one of those things that I kind of look at, look for to start out with. Yeah, one of the things, I don't know if it's as common now, but before... The common thing was like your job title or where you work at, about section, like third person, one paragraph. And then work experience would just be their company name, where they work, and then duration. But there's no bullet points. There's nothing. Do you still see those bare bone profiles even with like executives? I do. It's mind-blowing to be honest because I look at senior executives, like CEOs of companies, and they don't even have an about section. Like I worked with one CEO that was huge in terms of building an entire company from scratch. That's now a billion-dollar company. And he didn't have an about section on his profile. So I wrote that for him, his whole story, and went to a meeting with the whole executive team. They literally stood up and clapped because they didn't, some of the people in the room didn't even know the role that he played, right? So, you know, any level that you're at, take advantage of that about section. I always say write it in first person, not in third person. Move away from the resume rehash because that resume rehash is something that's more formal from your resume. That might be your profile section there. But you want to be more real and more human on LinkedIn. People want to connect with people on LinkedIn. So the more you share about yourself, the more people are going to want to connect with you. So with the about section, that's where I spend a lot of time with my clients. I'll, you know, I'll ask some questions like, why do you love what you do? How did you get in your field? You know, what makes you unique? 
What are your superpowers? All of those things to kind of build a great about section that I call their career story. And then to your point, you know, work experience too really should have a, some really good detail about the person's mandate and also their responsibilities as well. Any accomplishments, right? Written in bullet points so that, you know, it looks good not just on, you know, a desktop, but also looks great on mobile too. Otherwise, you can get really long and really heavy. You don't want people to walk away from your profile. You want them to read it, right? So for sure, you know, all of that depth should be there if you're in transition. Really use your profile as a magnet to attract new opportunities. Speaking of resume rehash, in terms of the work experience, uh, the common thing that people do is they just take the bullet points from the resume and just plug it into their LinkedIn profile. Do you recommend that? Is there anything else you would like people to add on top of the bullet points? What would be ideal to really optimize that section? Because I'm assuming, like, I've spoken to a lot of recruiters and they say when it comes to looking at their professional's LinkedIn profile, they mainly look at the work experience. They might look at the about section a bit later, but the work experience is the most crucial aspect. So what are some recommendations there? Yeah, and you're right about that. You know, with be Riley Farber, like I said, they're a professional services company in Canada. I've been working with them for four years, and I've had the opportunity to talk to every one of their recruiters across the country to understand how they look at LinkedIn profiles. And you're right, you know, every one of them, you know, some look at the about section, some don't. They all look at the work experience, and they look at the entire work experience. So they want to see everything from top to bottom. And, you know, I get asked a lot of times, especially from senior executives that have maybe eight or ten roles, should they include everything? So definitely include everything. And I think in addition to the bullet points that you mentioned, I think it is great to kind of, if your company is not well known, definitely include a line or two that describes what the organization is about and even where it sits in the marketplace. There should be, if you can, a line that describes in one sentence or two, kind of what your mandate is. What is your overall role about? And then you can have that bullet point list, right? Of things you've achieved or things that are your responsibilities. So that would make for a really great, robust work experience listing, I would say. In terms of talking about the LinkedIn profile writing, again, LinkedIn is considered somewhat of a search engine in regards to like searching by keywords. How can people find the right keywords for their target jobs or target industries to ensure that the right people are seeing their profile and reaching out for opportunities that align with where they want to go in their career? Yeah, another really good question. So I would say, you know, if you're looking for another job, you're probably looking at job postings. And I think that's a good place to start to look at the keywords that are in the postings for the jobs that you're interested in and weaving some of those keywords into your headline, into your about section, into your work experience. You know, LinkedIn's algorithms are a mystery to everybody, but I would say what, they, what LinkedIn does, it kind of gives different weighting to different things. It's going to scour your entire profile to look for those keywords. And that's going to help serve up your profile to recruiters accordingly. Don't overthink it. Like if you're loading your profile with keywords just for the sake of it, it's going to look awkward and it's not going to look real. So you just want to kind of just make sure it's in the right place across your profile. Like I said, those key spots, and that should really do it. What do you think, Max? Is that a good strategy? Yeah, it's a good strategy. When I started using LinkedIn about 10 years ago, the algorithm wasn't as robust. And I was trying to get into digital marketing. So... I noticed that the more times I added digital marketing across my profile, whether it's work experience or bug section, the higher I was able to search myself. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't search on my own account. I would like log out and maybe use a dummy account and then type in digital marketing to see where I'm at. And I tend to be ranked higher the more times I added digital marketing into yeah, my profile. Yeah. Obviously, like you can't really game the system. It's similar to Google. Like before, 
Like in the early days of Google, you could really keyword stuff your page and it will rank, but it's obviously been revised and reamped. So you can't game the system as you used to. So it's mm -hmm. about a mix of keywords with good storytelling. Yes, it's a great way to say it. And one of the things that I encourage my clients and when I write profiles too, like in the about section, I'll include the last part of that will include specialties and I'll name out some of their core things like digital marketing or strategy or you name it and put them into that list too. So between the skills section, the specialties, all of those different areas, that can really, like you said, help you get placed higher in the rankings overall. So you've worked with corporate professionals. You've also worked with professionals that are trying to start the business or even current entrepreneurs. What's the mm -hmm. difference between writing a profile for a job seeker versus writing a profile for a business owner? Mm -hmm. and, that's, and that is another good question because I do really make sure when I'm talking to my clients to figure out exactly what they're looking to do. Are they looking for a new job? Are they looking to promote the company that they're working for? Are they looking to sell themselves as an entrepreneur? And I do actually write the profiles quite differently. So for anyone who's wanting to become a consultant or an entrepreneur, I think, you know, nobody likes to be sold to on LinkedIn. So I never write them as a sales pitch. So the about section, for example, will be more around, again, their career story versus, you know, here's what my company does, right? Helping people understand why they should work with you, let's say, as a leadership coach versus the hundreds of other leadership coaches out there. And the reason usually is because their story is quite different or what they're passionate about is different. So that's what I try to get across. When I get to their work experience section, that's where I'll do more of that marketing or sales pitch. So let's say the individual's organization and the, as the founder of their company is sitting at the top of their work experience, that's where I'll say a bit more about the services they have and maybe drive them to their website so they can learn more about what their company does. And in terms of posting content, as a business owner, how do you create content that resonates with your audience in order to generate leads? Because as you already mentioned, cold pitching through DMs don't work. I get cold pitch DMs all the time, whether it's like resume writers from India trying to see if they, I want to outsource my work to them or whether yeah. it's agencies saying that they'll help like amplify my content reach. Like I get a lot of those like DMs that's very spammy. And yeah. what I find is creating good content, you're going to generate qualified leads from LinkedIn. So you don't have to always like spam people and try to get messages because again, people are very wary of people reaching like cold outreaching and they lose interest right away. So I think like content creation is a great way to build relationships indirectly without seeking to them because if they are interested at a certain point, you've already developed that relationship, that trust. So they're willing to reach out to you at that point. So that segues to my question in regards to like, what's your recommendations of a content strategy that shows expertise, but also helps expand your reach towards your target audience? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a big part of the differentiator of my business, maybe compared to other LinkedIn experts and coaches, is around showing my clients how to build their presence as an expert or a thought leader so they can attract new business or new career opportunities. That's exactly what I've done with my business. I literally don't do any marketing, really don't do any lead gen right now. It all comes through LinkedIn or through referrals. And it's because I've been successful as building my own brand as an expert on LinkedIn. And one of the things that I do and what I guide my clients to use is to use Google News Alerts, right? So, for example, I've created a news alert on the topic of LinkedIn. I get articles every day coming into my inbox. I just choose the ones that I think are most relevant for my network. And I'll share them out with my own insights or I'll build that into an article of my own, whatever the case may be. But that's where, you know, I'm providing that kind of content plus content of my own to build kind of just a steady flow of content around the topic I want to be known for. And that's exactly what I do with my clients as well. I kind of help them figure out 
what topic they're passionate about, what they have deep expertise in, what they really want to become, you know, known for on LinkedIn overall, and just encourage them to start to post about that. It can be, you know, content that they've found. So they're a content curator. It can be content they've created. It can be short content, long content. And I never tell people that they've got to post three to five times a week about that topic. It's whenever they've got something valuable to say, I think is really when it's relevant. I mean, you probably want to put something out maybe once a week if you can relate it to that topic. But it's more about having something of value to say versus just getting out there and speaking all the time. So I think, you know, those are some of my tips for your content strategy. I do want to talk about the consistency part, right? People think consistency is like once a day, but consistency is relative based off what your goals are. So I think, again, once a week, that's consistent. Twice a week, that's consistent. Again, it's not about like how much content you input is how regularly you can post content on a consistent basis over time. Mm -hmm. I always say it's that combined with the number one thing I say to my clients when I coach them, if they do nothing else, just make sure you're going on LinkedIn, you know, every day or a couple of times a week and just be social in the newsfeed, you know, because if you're just the way, you know, you can see who's liking and commenting on your content and that puts them top of mind for you. That's the same thing I want to have happen as well. So the more that people engage in their social platform, you like, comment, share, just brings them up in visibility on the platform, makes them top of mind. And even just simply doing that, being more social on the platform can be enough. You combine that with some good content, you know, once a week or, you know, a few times a month. And I think you're kind of gold. It can be a really good thing to do. And speaking of being more social on the platform, so you've done the LinkedIn assessment, evaluated the weaknesses of your profile, they hire you or they're able to do it themselves, optimize your LinkedIn profile for the target job or target clientele. Now you've done all the foundational work from a reactive approach, but the proactive approach is, as you said, be social on the platform, commenting on people's posts on the newsfeed, potentially creating your own content. The other thing I wanted to mention is regards to like active outreach, connecting with various people, whether it's a target company you want to work for or potential clientele. What is your strategy in terms of having effective outreach? We've already discussed that cold DMing people is not the way to go about it, especially if it's a very aggressive sales DM. So what is your strategy when you work with clients that are trying to generate leads from a proactive social aspect? And is that more for leads for a business or like for job search specifically? Let's, it, let's start with yeah. uh, the job seeker side of things. <laughs> the job seeker side, yeah. I think you've got to be really careful, right? Like for anyone that you don't know that you're inviting that connects with you, I do believe that it's good. A good strategy is to, you know, check out their profile first, really get to understand the individual, even engage with some of their content and then reach out and send the invitation to connect because then you've warmed up that individual and you're not a complete stranger. I also believe that as soon as they, you know, accept your invitation to connect, do not right away say, I want to have a meeting with you or have a call with you. They get hit up so much by that. So you want to build the relationship a little bit over time, you know, even again, continuing to engage with their content, letting them see yours before you reach out and ask them for anything. So that relationship building is key. Otherwise you just come across as a spammy, right? So, you know, if you've got something in terms of an article that you might think is insightful or helpful for them related to a job they posted on or a topic that you're a subject matter expert on, send that out to them, right? Just do little value add things like that versus going, hey, they accepted my invitation. Let me just see if they're going to have a call or meeting with me. It means it probably won't work. The one thing I wanted to mention 
like that's a great strategy basically comment on their posts so then they can warm up to you because they're going to see their comments right but yeah. uh, i think the statistic is that only one percent of uh, linkedin members actually create content so a lot of people that you want to connect with may not be posting content on a regular basis so how can one still reach out authentically that way mm -hmm. Well, I think even the invitation to connect should be really customized. So if you're sending an invitation to connect, don't just say, hey, I want to connect with you or, hey, I saw this job, but really think about the invitation in a very, you know, you can compliment them on the company they're working for, you can compliment them on the role, you can see that you've got 20 connections in common. Maybe one of those connections can do the reach out on your behalf if that individual knows them. So there's all those different ways to just make sure you're building out a very thoughtful, customized invitation to connect. To really up your chances of having them connect with you. And how about the other side of things uh, as a business owner reaching out? How is that different compared to a job seeker? I guess it's starting off the same, right? Like it's customizing the invitation to connect up front, you know, potentially even sending a thank you message after you're building the relationship through a bunch of touch points. So it's the invitation to connect, a thank you message after. Maybe you're sending them an article following that. Like you're sharing different things and engaging with that individual's content where you can too. And then finally saying, hey, would you be open to jumping on a call? But that jumping on the call needs to be because you're providing something of value to them too. You know, if you're just saying, hey, I want to tell you about my service offering, they're probably not going to have time for it. But if you say, hey, I've got some insights that I want to share you from former clients like yours, then they might be open to talking to you. So it's those kinds of things that you can do to really make sure it's a two-way benefit in terms of the conversation you're going to have. The other thing I want to mention is that you might have to follow up a few times. So, or you might have a meeting with them. And if it's an informational interview for a job, they might not have anything available at that moment. If you're a business owner and you're selling a service or product, they might not have the budget right now or they're currently working with a vendor. So what's some follow-up approaches that you recommend for people trying to nurture these relationships to eventually get the job there or get the big contract from the business? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It really is a long lead space. Like whether it's for, you know, if it's a role that you're not maybe suitable for right now, I mean, adding the recruiters to your network, adding anyone who's interviewed you to your network is good. And if you are more visible and active on the platform, maybe the job's not right for you right now, but they might come back to you later, especially if you're sharing good content as an expert in your space. You're going to rise above those other candidates, stand out on LinkedIn. You're going to be memorable. And they could potentially come back to you in a few weeks, in a few months, or even later. Same can be said for you know, B2B in terms of lead gen, too. Like, it can take time. Like, I have people that I don't even know that have been following me since I worked with them 10 years ago. I just landed a great new client, and she's been following my content probably for eight years now, and has now invited me to work with her CEO. So when she reached out, she said, you know, I love your content. I didn't know that. And then that just kind of rebuilt that relationship or kept the relationship going in a virtual way until the time was right to kind of come back in. But the entire time I was building my presence as an expert with her so that she knew that when she was ready to bring someone in, I was the person she came to. So sometimes it takes patience. I know we don't always have that. But I think if you reach out in the right way and you build a strong brand, that can all come full circle, you know, over time. Yeah, some of the uh, clients that I've been able to get, like they would DM me on LinkedIn or they would book a free consultation through my calendar. I would look up their profile, see if they followed me. And some of these people that follow me were from like two or three years ago, right? Yeah. So again, it is a, they might not need your service right then, but as long as you yeah. consistently post content and give value, you'll stand out and they'll reach out when they do need help. 
Yeah, 100%. And that's why even my clients, I say with their content, sometimes you may not get a ton of comments. You might not even, you know, but just know that the views can be really powerful because just the views alone, those impressions, just again, just put you top of mind. You're just staying in their mind and maybe they don't reach out to you right away, but you're staying there consistently until the time's right that they want to work with you. And the thing I also want to discuss is LinkedIn has changed over the years. What are some features on LinkedIn that people may not know about that they should implement to help their LinkedIn profile be more robust and stand out compared to their competition? One of the top things I say, I mean, I run a training session. I've been running it now for four years for executives in transition through the Riley Farber. And when I start off that session, you know, I always ask people or remind people to check their settings. So go into your settings first and foremost, check your profile visibility. Some people, you know, may have just set their visibility to just their own network. You want to open that up to public so that recruiters and other hiring managers can see your entire profile. So that's one of the first things I say to do is check the visibility. There's really cool things in the back end too, like going incognito, right? You might want to check out a company or a hiring manager privately, and you can switch your profile view from being totally public to kind of more anonymous so that if you've checked somebody out, they don't necessarily know that it's you. And then you can flip it back to open. So you can kind of flip back and forth between that. Sometimes that's great for business as well if you want to scope out a company before you reach out to them. And I do believe thirdly, just around settings that check, make sure for security because there's so much spamming and there's so much in terms of cyber attacks and all sorts of you know things like that. Turn on the two-factor authentication, like just do that because that way, you know, nobody can log into your account unless they get the code that's sent to your phone, unless they have it with your phone, they really can't get in and hack you. So that's one of the best ways to keep your account safe. It is your professional brand. So, you know, after this session, I would say go into your settings, just take a look around and just see what you want to and need to adjust for visibility, security, and all of those things. Yeah, speaking of privately searching people, I got LinkedIn Premium specifically so I can hide myself when I look at people's profiles. Because like, yeah, when I didn't have LinkedIn Premium, like it shows them when I view their profile. So if I constantly see someone's profile and the person actually checks LinkedIn every day and see that look at all the time, then that'd be a bit fishy. So that's why I always like privatize it. Again, I do work with clients and like some of them do want networking strategy. So if I'm looking at people at target companies and they always see my face, then it might raise some red flags, right? So that's why I got LinkedIn premium. But I wanted to actually talk... Yeah, so the free account doesn't let you... Because I've been on premium or even now I'm on Sales Navigator, right? So the free account doesn't let you go private is what you're saying. It's yeah, I think so. Or it can let you go private, but you can't view who viewed your profile. It's either, oh, yeah. yeah. So LinkedIn Premium, you can go private and view other people's profile and then they can't see you viewed it. Or the other thing is you can't go private on free, but then you can't see who viewed your profile. I think it's one of those two. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the top, when I do the training sessions, it's one of the first questions I get asked is, you know, is premium worth it? And maybe we can chat about that for a minute because that might be a value, right? So with premium, you do get to see more of who's checked you out. I think it actually is 90 days. And that can be valuable when you're in job search. So I do say to people, if you're in job search, take advantage of the free one month trial. And then, you know, you might decide after that to keep it on or not. And so I think, you know, the free in-mails is also another thing that you get. I think you get more search criteria settings too. So anything that comes to mind to you for premium? So it's about you, um, you can view as many profiles as you want. But I think you need LinkedIn business for that. I think LinkedIn careers, there is still a limit, but it's still more expansive than the basic. The other thing, I obviously, again, like you can see who view your profile, I think 90 days if it's LinkedIn career and then 365 if it's LinkedIn business. Uh, yeah. The other nice feature is 
you can connect with third degree connections. I think for the free version, you only connect up to second degree. So mm -hmm. I think expansion of being able to connect with third degree connections is also useful for in LinkedIn Premium. Yeah, it's a great summary of it all. Yeah. So, and like I said, I mean, you know, money might be tight if you're not working right now. So just take advantage of the free premium for a month. Then you might decide that you might want to have it until you land that next job because you're on LinkedIn much more often and you kind of want to take advantage of, you know, seeing who's viewed your profile and vice versa. Those features are kind of handy for a while until you hopefully land that next great job. Exactly. And <laughs> the other thing I want to mention is the LinkedIn featured section of your profile. What should people include there? Like press releases, like projects? What do you recommend? Yeah, I mean, if you're putting out great content on LinkedIn, and even if it's over the past year or two years, and, it, and especially if it re relates back to your area of specialties, a specialty, then definitely put that up in the featured section, right? So um, it doesn't have to be a lot of things, but just two or three things that you might want to have sit there that just reflects you and your brand in the best possible way. So I'd say take advantage of it if you can, kind of look at what you've posted in the past and see if anything there kind of makes sense to include and just kind of keep at the top of your page in that featured section. Great. And the other thing I want to talk about is a common thing is job seekers, they tend to post content when they're looking for a job, but then once they get the job, they stop being active on LinkedIn. I know some professionals that I've worked with in the past that were very active on LinkedIn. And once they got a job, they stopped going on LinkedIn, right? They maybe continue to go on Instagram or TikTok or whatever platform that they're more comfortable with. So how do you keep the momentum going once you have a job or yeah, when, yeah once you have a job, how do you keep your LinkedIn brand, like keep the momentum going to ensure that all the LinkedIn equity that you've created over the months of your job search don't go to waste? Yeah, I mean, I always remind my clients to make sure they stay active on the platform after they land the job for a couple of reasons, right? You want to keep your network strong because let's say six months or a year down the road, I mean, the job market right now is and the economy is so in such turmoil that, I mean, you, could, you know, someone could lose their job again. We, I mean, hope that doesn't happen. But you no, know, regardless, whether you're working for a long time or not, keep your network strong. And the beauty of LinkedIn is that it doesn't mean that you've got to go out and have lunch with somebody or have dinner with them. You just have to simply engage with their content, you know, stay connected that way. It can be a very light amount of time that you need to spend to keep your network really robust and feel so you don't have to reach out to somebody three years later and go, hey, I haven't talked to you in a million years, but can you help me find a job? You never want to have to do that. So there's that side of it. There's keeping your network strong after you land, but also you want to keep your brand strong. Keep building your presence as an expert in your role in that company. So that over time, you are keeping that equity and that you are seen that way. And as a result of that, you know, probably other great jobs are going to come to you over the course of your career, too. It's just good for your overall professional brand to not just be active on LinkedIn while you're in job search, but also ongoing as well. Yeah, like the phrase is, it's better to network when you don't need it than when you do. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. So if someone's listening to our conversation or watching it, what would be one big takeaway you want them to take away in regards to their LinkedIn profile? If they say, okay, I've, I listened to the conversation that Max had with Sabita, what would be the first action item I should implement to start generating results on my LinkedIn profile? Yeah, it's hard to pick just one because there's so many good tips. But I think the biggest thing that people tend to miss, like I mentioned earlier, especially the senior leaders that I work with, is that about section. Really spend some time there to share your career story. Go beyond, like we talked about, that resume rehash and just share it, you know, enough about you so people get to know the essence of you and what you're passionate about and what you're looking to do next. 
And I think that's a great way to differentiate yourself from other candidates that may not do that. And it's very different than what your resume looks like. This is much more personal, much more genuine, much more real. And I think that's a really great way to stand out and have people want to connect with you because it gets to know you in a better way. You know, we got to think about it like, you know, if you're out at an event or a conference, you know, what are you going to say to people when you meet them there? You know, it's kind of that kind of language and that kind of feel and that conversational feel you want to have when you introduce yourself on LinkedIn through your about section. And to wrap up our conversation today, Sevilla, again, really appreciate you coming on. Throughout your career, you've probably had many challenges. And my podcast is about helping people overcome common career challenges. And I have experts such as yourself provide advice to help them address those challenges in the right way to overcome them. So for you, what was one big challenge that you had to overcome in your career to get to where you are today? Hmm, good question. You know, for me, I, I got laid off twice, you know, in my corporate career. And at that second layoff, I was with KPMG for five years, head of digital marketing with a Canadian firm. And when I lost my job there, it, you know, it was a blow. It really did affect me. But I woke up the next morning and I thought, if I don't start my own business now, I never will. And it really tur- was a great turning corner for me. It launched my business. I'm in the right space. I love what I do. And if that didn't happen, you know, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. So if you are going through transition and you've had a tough experience and you're trying to deal with that, you know, I'm hoping that you can kind of take this away and build the brand to kind of shape the kind of role that you want to do next and look back at this down the road and think the same way. You know, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be where I am now. And hopefully as a result of that, you're in a spot where you're loving what you do next. That would be my, my biggest piece of advice. Again, I appreciate the time, Savita. So how can people reach out to you to learn more about what you do and how you can help them? Hopefully they'll reach out to me through LinkedIn, which would be great. So if you reach out to me at Savita Singh and under Tribeta Consulting, you'll see that's my profile. And I do share a lot of great content around you know, LinkedIn and professional branding. So I'd love for you to connect with me. And I think the biggest thing to do, as we talked about earlier, is to customize your invitation to connect. Tell me that you heard me on the podcast today. Maybe tell me what you liked about it. And that way I'll know kind of how you came to me. And I would love to connect that way. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's three ways I can help you achieve your career goals for free. First, subscribe to this podcast as I post two episodes a week. Number two, leave a five-star review as this helps build the credibility of the show so we can gain access to more influential people to interview and bring those lessons to you to help elevate your career. And number three, connect with me on social media. There's a link in the show notes for you to click on that compiles all my active social media accounts, making it easy for you to find me and connect with me. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, Thank you.